Would you be able to just repeat the King Leopold stuff again? Oh, yeah. So, um, so I, I had no idea about King Leopold II, um, which is horrific because that should really be a staple of the, the curriculum. Um, and I discovered that, you know, estimated around, like, all the accounts differ, but estimated around 8 million slaves had no hands um, due to kind of a bartering system that happened where um, because if you used a bullet, you had to prove that you used a bullet um, in either self-defense or to discipline a slave, um, but soldiers wanted to use the bullets to hunt. So in order to then um, show that they'd killed a slave, they took the hand, and then King Leopold asked for them to be smoked and burned and returned to him mm-hmm. to count. Um, and so I took that and I put it in the story, and I think that's, I've had a few people, my mum, uh, be like, oh, it's very violent, um, the book. And, it, you know, it's all based in truth. Um, yeah. There's there's nothing that, no suffering that I've represented on the page that actually doesn't come from our history yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I didn't want this book to be just, you know, desolate. <laughs> um, it is a terrible, terrible world, but I didn't want it to be... Not that, like there was no hope, yeah. and and that's where like this strife for re- rebellion comes, and um, it is it is more than anything a, a, a story of hope because more than anything I wanted to show that you know there is so much light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. even when like the shadows and colonialism like we can push past that. Um, to I also want to, this is another question that's not on the question list, but I want to it. ask you about. At the beginning of each chapter, you have yeah. um, ephemera from the world. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to come up with <laughs> all of these um, bits, historical bits of writing? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, um, there's a recipe for groundnut soup. In there. <laughs> yeah, of course, we've got to get that in there. Um, yeah, it was interesting. So um, because the world is so rich and unfamiliar, there there aren't really many when I say unfamiliar, unfamiliar to Western audiences who are used to European fantasy, there aren't many, like, hallmarks Mm. that readers can kind of, like, hang their hat on and go, like, okay, I understand that trope, I understand that genre-twisting element, like, you know, horses, they understand horses. No, I'll be like, I've made a giant lizard. So Mm. then we have to describe how the lizard works. Mm. You know, there's certain things that I didn't help myself. (laughs) Um, But it it was actually really fun. The epigraphs at the beginning of each chapter, yeah, they're, like, themed on each chapter but also um and it was easy because there was so much in this world I could write about um and there were things I knew that I wanted the reader to learn more about and you know they're definitely a lot of readers will skip past them and that's absolutely fine but some readers will read them all and they'll learn twists that they have no idea are coming in book two or three and so I think it, it was fun to play around with like easter eggs here and there and then also the and the framing of the whole novel, which um, when you get to the twist, you'll understand a little bit more. But the, um, the the novel is framed into five parts, which are based on phases of phases of colonisation. Okay. Um, and that that was really interesting to me. To like most people won't go, oh, that's a phase of colonisation. Yeah. But um, for me, kind of adding that depth to each kind of theme and each part of the novel was really important. Yeah works really well uh, I still find it so weird when people are like yeah I've read your book I'm like stop please stop <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Uh, okay, so please can you describe your writing process? Which bits do you love the most and which bits do you find a drag? So, um, I don't plot, which people are like, what? <laughs> I don't plot at all. Um, I literally just write and I write and I write and I write and that's for me the best bit. Um, I don't know what's coming next. In, in um, book two, there was uh, this character who had a glove on for like, five chapters yeah. I was like I don't know he had one glove okay. I was like I don't know why he has one glove on I was like Jim Jim I don't understand why he's got one glove yeah and the chap the next chapter he takes off his glove oh my goodness I can't tell you because it's a spoiler but okay. wow okay. there was something under the glove okay. that I did not know okay. was going to be there and it was so str- and that's kind of my process like I actually don't know these characters I sound so douchey but they like talk to me <laughs> and I'm just like oh my gosh you will never believe what she just did and she's like you wrote that Okay, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely the funnest bit. I think editing the first book was much more difficult than editing the second book, which I'm sick of now, because I've grown as a writer so much more. Um, the first draft of the, of the Final Strife was 70,000 words. It's now 170,000 words. So yeah. in edits, it grew a yeah. huge amount. So that was that was a slog for me because it was like how learning how to write mm-hmm. whilst also expecting to be a published author. Mm-hmm. author. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I've got to get better at writing, but I also have to get the story into a, a good place. Um, so that that was hard. But now I'm actually, most of it, um, enjoy. Actually, probably the hardest bit is just knowing when the book's out there, when people are reading yeah. it. That's like, yeah. I honestly want to peel off my skin. Yeah. I'm like, I just hate it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, who do you write for? In terms of your intended audience and also in terms of legacy making? Oh, legacy making. Um, For a long time, I think I was writing for Sally. Yes. Um, I think it was it was really interesting for me, particularly the first book that I wrote that never got published. It was it was always about because what Sally had gone through growing up. I was always trying to make her smile or trying to make her laugh. So I used to tell her stories where I'd read books. And I'd often progress from what was on the page. Um, and so it came like this relationship that we had was very much like I was the storyteller. And so when I did start writing, it was always for her. Like, how can I make her happy? Now she's happy. So <laughs> now it's very much like um, the final strife was very much like an, an ode to me more than anything. For me, it was like finding my identity. It was finding my own feet in a world outside of this one. Um, and in terms of like the legacy, gosh, I just hope that other authors out there like, oh, I'm a woman of colour, I'm never going to be able to do this, really finds out that they can. Like they can just read this book and go, actually, huh, I can do this. I can just go, that shit crazy, build an entire totally different world and people will buy it. Yeah. They won't buy it as quickly, but they will buy it. And I think just so hopeful that there are you know if I've already had like early readers contact me and say you know this has meant so much like it's very rare that I'm going to find someone from my exact heritage mm-hmm. West Africa and Sudan and Britain um but there are people from different pockets of the world who've been like wow this has been amazing this has meant a lot to me and it's proved to me that I can write about my own heritage in different ways and I was like yeah do it um so yeah I I don't necessarily want to be a wave maker I don't think I'm going to be but I think just giving people the opportunity to see that there's so much more out there. Yeah. 